Yeah, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Rich called and asked me if I could fill in for him, and I love those phone calls. I really do. Um, I'm, I'm, very, I'm always conflicted about teaching because there's always the battle between the spirit and the flesh, and my flesh is saying, you know, you do a good job sitting, and so that's what I like to do. But um, I do want to be faithful. I, re- I really do want to be faithful. When I, when I came to know Jesus, I said, you know, I want to serve you, and I want to be faithful. And I want to support the ministry, and I want to support my pastor. And so uh, I come up here, and, uh, you know. And see, the other thing that conflicts me is, is that, you know, I think that, well, if, peop- if I teach, people are going to think that I've, I've got this Christianity thing down perfect. And, and I don't. It's just, it's a battle every day. But, and that's true of most of us. Um, and so, uh, you know, like I said, I just want to be faithful, and there's nothing that I can say that you don't already know, but I think the important thing is, is being together and sitting around his, his word and worshiping and just being together as a family, and so I think that's the most important thing, and so uh, we will uh, proceed uh, with that uh, after I pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we just uh, want to honor you and glorify you this morning and just uh, be here in, our, in your presence uh, to tell you that we love you and just pray that you would bless uh, this time, Lord, as we meet together in Jesus' name. And so, anyways, I want to talk, if time permits, I'll talk a little bit more later about being together. Um, but it's always interesting, I've talked to Norm about this, uh, because I have to choose a topic and I don't want to just open my Bible and point to a verse and say, well, I'll, I'll teach on that. Um, I like to teach something that, I, that I've been thinking about. Now, the problem is my mind is sometimes strange. And so I think about strange things. Uh, not that strange, but... Um, and you're going to find out in a second. Um, but I, these are things I've really honestly have been thinking about. Um, and so I'm going to start out... Uh, with a very, uh, albeit strange, deeply perplexing question for all of you. Okay, you ready? Um, How many of you think that we don't have enough squirrels in the world? Does anybody think (laughs) how many we don't have enough? In other words, let me rephrase that. If we had more squirrels, the world would be much better. Does anybody think? Nobody. Wow. I guess I'm in a different place than you people. (laughs) Um, but no, here's the thing. I really have been thinking about this. Uh, every day, pretty much, I back out of my driveway and I go up the street and I start heading down Stony Lane. And it doesn't take long until there in the middle of the road is a flat squirrel. And I drive a little further and there's another flat squirrel. And, you know, it's all the way to work. And sometimes it's not just squirrels. Sometimes it's possums or raccoons, skunks, bunnies. I hate to see it. Bunny, and sometimes a deer. And I'm sure if you you know you see a deer, you know they're pretty large creatures, and you see them by the side of the road. And I'm sure you go, "Oh, that's too bad." And you know, I get I get to work, and I open my paper, and I'm looking for the headline: "Squirrel killed on Stony Lane, hit and run, police investigate." But there is no headline because who cares, really? Well, I do, because I think it's very sad, because. Nature is suffering because of the sin of mankind. And I really do think it's sad of, of the destruction that sin has caused in the world. 
And as I said, creation is just innocent victims. Now, they don't have souls, but they suffer along uh, with the rest of us. And that's what I want to talk a little bit. If you could turn to um, Romans chapter 8, and we'll start out there. And uh, Romans chapter 8, it starts out uh, in verse 19. It says, The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And I think it's very interesting how it's phrased here that uh, creation is, is frustrated. And it is frustrating. And, and sin frustrates me as well. Um, it goes on to say in, in verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our, adop our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. So again, about that word frustration, I get frustrated because my life is affected by not just my own sin. I look at leaders and in, in, in political leaders of our country, uh, leaders around the world, people around the world, and uh, I see difficulties in my own life, uh, you know, by bad economy and, and, and all sorts of things that affect me uh, indirectly or indirectly, and that's really because of sin. And, and so it makes me frustrated, and I want to blame others, uh, you know, for this problem, uh, but don't I contribute as well? I mean, aren't I part of the problem? I mean, it talks about the hope that we have. Yeah, we're in Christ, and we're saved, and we're forgiven. Uh, but, you know, as, as, as uh, Jesus told Peter, you know, your feet, our feet have to be washed uh, because we walk in the world, and we unfortunately contribute uh, to the problems in the world. Uh, so I do want to, I just thought, I want to, you know, I think about well, how did this all, you know, start? Well, we know how it started. Um, so I, I want us to turn to Genesis, and like I said, we know the story. You've read it before. I imagine everybody, every time somebody decides to read through the Bible, they start in Genesis, so that's probably one of the most read books, and then after that, they, they, they probably quit. <clears throat> but uh, in Genesis uh, chapter 1 and 27, and again, you know the story, but let's, let's, let's talk about it. For, uh, for God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, 
I give you every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So God created the earth and the heavens and the animals and plants, and he said everything was good. Everything was good. And the garden was perfect. It had everything you know, that we want and that we look forward to. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. We look forward to that. And it was good. So something must have happened. I'm not sure what happened. Let's look at uh, chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here God created the perfect place for man, and Adam had everything he could want. But we know that God had to give man the opportunity to choose what is right. Without that opportunity to choose good or evil, how, can there, how could we truly love God and understand uh, the love that he has for us? We, God wants a love from us that we choose. And through the help and salvation of Christ, we are able to truly love God with our sin being covered by his blood. And that is what God is looking for, was not robots where he prevented them from doing wrong. They needed to have that choice. And so as part of God's plan, but Adam had the perfect ability to reject evil and to do what is right, as we do. Okay, uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 15 and 16. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now that, I'm not sure if, if Adam even really knew what death was, but I think that the warning was pretty clear that he was not to eat of that tree. Now if you can imagine how many different trees, how, how many different plants and trees and, and fruit-bearing trees and vegetables, and there was an abundance. There was absolutely no need for Adam or Eve to taste that fruit. Uh, it just was there. Uh, in verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, you also know the story of how Adam was created. Adam was created from the earth. And if you look at a, at a vitamin bottle, it looks like metals, you know, iron and, and all these things. And those are the things you find in the ground, the same typically type of things you want to put in the ground to, to, to fertilize plants and trees. It's similar to the vitamins we take because we, we came from the earth. So the correlation there is pretty easy to understand. Now, we, we know that Eve was created differently. 
because God wasn't going to make a new creation from Eve. Eve was going to be part of Adam. So Adam went to sleep, and he took a rib from Adam, and Eve was, was created from that. But they knew, see, here's the thing. They knew the tree was there, and it was, uh, it was in the middle of the garden. And so what I suspect is that they had that free will of human nature where they would walk the garden, but I don't think... I kind of just see them not just passing by and ignoring it, but when they pass by, perhaps stopping and look at it and longing for it. Because we, 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 even though we have plenty, we want what we don't have. And that's, that's what temptation is. I think, they, I think before the serpent ever got to Eve, that Adam and Eve probably had discussed it or talked about it, but I said they, they probably went and stood there and looked at it and say, boy, that looks really good. We have all this, all this, but we can't have that. And, and we'd like to have that because <laughs> we want it all. And so Adam and Eve were there together, uh, and, and Eve was Adam's helper. Uh, but Eve, I mean, but Adam was supposed to be the leader. If you remember the previous verses, God ordained that Adam would be the head and he would subdue creation. Now, subdue doesn't mean to put your foot on the neck of it just means to be good stewards and take care of he was to be the responsible steward in taking care of nature creation the garden and take to take care of eve as well uh, there's a difference god wasn't tempting adam and eve there's a difference between testing and tempting god won't tempt us we do get tested our faith does get tested but God doesn't tempt us. Uh, that, that's not in his nature. Uh, but let's turn to uh, chapter 3 and just look uh, at what happened. Uh, chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Well, here, again, the serpent, uh, we don't know what he looks like uh, because God changed the serpent, uh, his appearance, but it just says he was uh, beautiful, a very a good-looking whatever. I'm not sure what he was. Uh, and did, you know, did Adam and Eve, had they encountered the serpent before? Did they know he was there? Did they see him? There are things that we don't really know. But when he talks to, when he comes to talk to Eve, it appears that she's already standing in front of the tree. I don't, it doesn't say anything where the serpent went to get her and, and lead her to the, to, the, to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It appears like she was already there, and I, I just wonder, was she standing there looking and saying, you know, I, I desire that in my heart. And so sometimes we kind of justify the things that we do. I know, I know that I do. Well, yeah, I did that, but it was okay because... So we kind of justify, and if we get somebody else to go along with us, well, then we're free and clear. That's great. If somebody else is doing it, well, okay, well, I can do it too. And now we have the serpent saying, well, Eve, well, you know, 
did God really say that? Did he really say that you shouldn't eat that? Now, she repeated to him what God said, so she knew. But it seems to me like she didn't need a lot of convincing. It was like, you know, you know the shepherd said, you shall not surely die. God, you need to go back and listen to what he said. You know, you shall not surely die. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, I don't know that Eve wanted to be like God, but she was looking for, I think, permission to eat the fruit. I think she wanted it. And so, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, that, there you go, she just wanted wisdom. That's all she wanted. Just wanted wisdom. She took some and ate it. And so now, where, where was Adam? Was he off somewhere else and he didn't know about this? What appears from the next verse that he was standing right there. Where is, what happened to his responsibility? Let's blame Eve. Let's just blame her. Adam, he was, he was blameless. She, she started it. The serpent convinced her and Adam, I mean, Eve pretty much forced Adam. It was her fault, right? Well, no, we, we already know that that God gave the responsibility to Adam to make sure that the, the garden was tended correctly and to make sure that his wife was protected. He wasn't protecting Eve. He wasn't doing what he was called to do as a husband. And so she gives some fruit to Adam. He didn't need any convincing. Sure, I'll have some. Because now I think he had, you know, a conspirator. Well, she, you know, serpent said it's okay. She's doing it. So again, I, I would submit that Adam and Eve had already lusted in their heart and wanted this fruit. That is what temptation is. And that's why we're to flee temptation because after a while, the gate will be open, you know? We sometimes look at temptation and we know there's a little fence around it and that helps us. But all of a sudden, the fence is gone. The gate's open, and it looks like, well, it's, I think it's okay. I, th- I think it'll be okay. So their eyes were opened, and now they're hiding from God. It, they're hiding from their Father, the heavenly Creator. They're hiding because their eyes are open. Now they know uh, that they are naked. And so the blame begins uh, in verse uh, 12. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So in Adam's eyes, he's innocent. I didn't, she gave it to me. I'm just trying to be nice. I didn't want to be rude and turn her down, hurt her feelings. So Lord, it's obviously her fault. Okay. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me. Hey, that's not my fault. Serpent, blame him. I was just minding my own business, doing some weeding. He comes along. Well, God saw differently. He saw sin in their hearts, in their eyes opened. And now they know, now they have knowledge. Eve said she wanted wisdom, but now they have knowledge. They lost the wisdom, and they have knowledge of what sin is. 
And so now, uh, in verse uh, 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And he goes on uh, in verse 17 to Adam. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Curse of the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you'll eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so now they are cast out. Can you imagine being cast out of the garden? The ground is now cursed. You know, now we all have jobs, we have to work, and, you know, some of you may love your job. Uh, but there's always stress, isn't there? There's stress with the unknown, with the, is the economy good? Will I have a job tomorrow? Will the company that I'm working for, will they be open? Will they close? You know? And, and these are things that, that I get frustrated by, and I want to blame somebody else just like they did. It's somebody else's fault. I want to blame the leaders in Washington or... Like I said, these ISIS people, you know, there's just wicked evil in the world. And I think about evil, and I imagine this, this kind of uh, picture scene. You know, you've all been to the beach, and I imagine the ocean as this ocean of sin. There, there, there's unspeakable evil in the world, these beheadings and, and, and uh, molesting children. It's just unspeakable evil in the world. And, I, and I'm standing on the beach, and I look out at this vast ocean of sin, and I say to God, I'm so glad that I don't swim in that ocean. I'm so glad. But I look down at my feet, and I'm up to my ankles in the water because I'm just in a little bit. I'm not out there swimming, but I'm a little bit's okay, you know? And that frustrates me because I'm part of the problem. But by the grace of God... As I said before, we need to be washed. And although this curse won't be lifted for some years yet, hopefully soon we know that we have the promise and the hope of God that it will be, and there will be a new heaven uh, and a new earth uh, and a new garden that we will live in and never be cast out again. Uh, but 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. You know, if you ever are involved, you know, in sin, you think you're all alone and you're getting depressed and discouraged, you're not alone. We're all in this together. And that's one of the important things, I think, about coming together in a fellowship is being able to worship and, and talk about his word and fellowship together and pray for each other. And I think that fellowship uh, gives us strength. And uh, I just want to talk a little bit about that instead of ending on a, on a sad note. I want to talk about the hope uh, that we have. If you'll turn to uh, Romans, back to Romans uh, chapter 7. Um, I'm just going to talk about... Uh, 
<clears throat> some of the things that Paul went through. And I look at, you know, some of the, you know, Hebrews talks about, the, you know, the, the people of faith. And, you know, I think, you know, if I could be one of them, I'd be better. That, that may be true. But we know even Paul struggled. And I don't know what plane he was on, but he had a responsibility to God that was, he had much to account for. And he struggled as well. But he talks about, um, in chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 15, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer. I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do, but not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do... What I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. That's almost hard to read. <laughs> but you understand what he's saying. He says, I want to do good, but I'm not doing good, and I don't want to do bad, but I'm doing bad. And, you know, God knows we're sinners, and, you know, he's not, he's not there to, to put his foot on our neck. He's there to help us. He knows we're sinners, saved by his grace, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And, and Paul, who struggled with this, as every human being will, uh, God wants to lift us up. In verse 21, So I find this law at work. So when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law at sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Well, there is a rescue, not just from our initial confession of Christ, where we're saved, but from the daily issues that we have. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's Jesus that saves us not only from our original sin, but from our daily sin, and he helps us to keep from continuing down that path to destruction. Because as Christians, we have the perfect ability to sin at will. And, and you know, some do, and they start to go down a road where God may see there's really no end in sight. And there are times where I think where God may, may stop them from hurting themselves any further and may take them home. But... Uh, there is always hope uh, to battle against uh, the sin that we have. Uh, just a few more verses uh, I have here. Um, oops. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, and so he condemns sin in sinful man. So God 
saw the problem and sent the solution. We didn't have the solution. God had the solution. He sent the solution, and that's Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. It is all one package deal. Okay. Uh, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And I think that is what the difference, it should be the difference with Christians. The world, they can do whatever they want. They rationalize everything, and there is really to them no law. You know, there are the general laws, you know, can't kill people, you can't rob banks, but they basically can do whatever they want. And that's what their mind is set on. But we have the restriction of the law, which tells us, and the Holy Spirit tells us, hey, that's wrong. And so I think God wants us to set our minds on Christ. We may depart from it, but we need to set the course. So that's a decision that needs to be made as a Christian. We set our mind, we set the course, we want to do what is right. Uh, verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death uh, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Again, I don't think Adam and Eve knew what it meant to die. But I think that they found out that the process, although it would be long, hundreds of years for them, that their bodies would start to decay and that now this beautiful garden would fill with weeds and thorns and thickets and by the sweat of their brow where before I think the, the, the vegetables and the fruit just kind of grew naturally. You know, God talks about a stream underground that would water it, but now they had to work it. And so, uh, but the first death is not what we should fear. We will all face the first death. It's the second death uh, that we need to be concerned about. But again, Jesus has set us free uh, from the second death. Uh, Romans uh, 8, verse 18 uh, says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that we be revealed in us. Again, I... I grow frustrated the way the world is, but God says our sufferings that we go through now can't compare to what God has in plan for us. And I don't know what we'll be thinking when we're in front of Jesus, standing before him, but if we could think about what we worried about and, and grew frustrated about, we would think how foolish we were because God has promised us that there is a better hope coming. In verse 24, for in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all, but who hopes for what he already has? But we hope for what we do not yet have. Wait for it patiently. Uh, we believe in Jesus. We haven't seen him. I think we ha have probably experienced his presence, the Holy Spirit, uh, but we haven't seen him. Um, doubting Thomas, couldn't, he couldn't believe. And God said, blessed are those who can't see but believe. So we are blessed because we believe in Jesus as our Savior. And he has given us 
uh, that hope of redemption and the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation is a great book. Confusing to some, it can be understood if you study it. There are some difficult parts, but the ending is so wonderful because he talks about you know, the streams of, of, of water you know, and the fruits that we'll be able to eat. We won't need to eat, but we'll be able to eat of the tree of the seasons, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and no tears and, and all that. But the most important thing is we'll stand before Jesus. We'll see him face to face, and that is where we will be uh, forever together. And again, I wanted to talk about being together, being here in church. Obviously, um, you made a decision to come to church this morning. And again, um, that's a decision that Annie and I made uh, you know, a long time ago. And we got saved. We, we don't get up every Sunday and say, well, you want to go to church today? You know, beach looks good, golfing. We go to church. That's what we do. And because uh, God wants us here. And again, what did I say here today that none of you have ever heard before? And that isn't always the point. Like I said, I think the important thing is being together. If you'll turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 11, I just want to talk about being together a little bit. Um, actually, Hebrews 10, I don't know if I said 11, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. God is wanting us to recognize that we have been saved and the curtain has been torn where before only the holy priest could go in and be in the presence of God. But we have permission to be in the presence of God because of what Jesus has done with us. And although the Holy Spirit does make us feel guilty about our present sin, what God is saying is, I don't want you to have a guilty conscience about the sin of your past. You need to put that behind you because we can stress out and worry about all the sins we committed in the past. But when we come to Jesus, Jesus says, I, I forget them. So we need to put those aside. Now, we do have a conscience about our daily sin. We should be aware of that. Uh, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works. Again, that's a good reason, I think, for us to be together, to meet together, to not keep our Christianity at home in our living room, but to come and join together, to have a ministry, and to support it financially and in prayer by doing the works that need to be done, and to encourage one another. With Adam and Eve, they kind of encourage each other to do wrong, and that's easy to do. We need to be together and encourage one another to do what is right and to serve God. And, and, and in a community like this, there are opportunities to serve. We support missions. We teach kids in Sunday school. We reach out to the community. It gives us a vehicle, an opportunity for us to reach out and to serve. 
Verse 25 in Hebrews 10, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. So again, God is saying, meet together. It's a good thing. You know, look, things come up, things happen. You know, this isn't a legal thing where we keep score, you know, oh, he's not in here today. It's between you and God. The, 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 you know, the, this, you have to, your relationship is going to be personal with God. But do you get up on Sunday and say, I don't feel like going today? Well, that's between you and God. But God here in his word is saying, go, show up. It's good. And we like to see each other here. We enjoy, we talk, some of us do. Sometimes we shake hands, hugs. But it's good to see, it's, it's good to see each other here, familiar faces. We serve together. Don't give up meeting together because in that is our hope. We all share the same hope. Tomorrow morning, we have to go out into the world. The world's going to beat us up. We're kind of safe right now. You know, we're in the presence of God, we're in the presence of Jesus. We're family and friends together. Uh, keep on meeting together. Um, I, I almost forgot. This is very important. I have to back up a little bit. Squirrels, getting back to squirrels. I tell you, the squirrels are frustrated, and we need to be concerned. Next time you see a squirrel, be careful. Squirrel blame for power loss in downtown Providence. I'm telling you, they're not happy. And if we don't do something about it, they will. I'll tell you something else funny. Annie and I were out to dinner a couple weeks ago, and she said, what are you going to be speaking on? I said, well, dead squirrels. And she said, dead sea scrolls? I said, no, dead squirrels. She said, dead sea scrolls? I said, no, dead squirrels. So we had a good laugh. We couldn't stop laughing. These are the things I think about. And I care about these squirrels. And the only help they can get is when Jesus comes back. But what we can try to do is do our best to avoid sin and do what is right in God's sight, and to serve him and be faithful to him. And we can do it better together. And so that's why we meet here. So anyways, thank you for listening. Let's just pray now. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your word. It's, it's just so awesome, and we just need to think about the simplest of things to help spur us on to Christ. But uh, we thank you for the forgiveness that we have to Jesus. And I just pray for anybody here. Lord, who doesn't know you, they would consider Jesus, or maybe some of us already know you, but we don't put you first in our lives. And uh, it's easy to get caught up in the world and do what we want, but I think in our heart what we really want to do is what's right in your sight. So I just pray that you'd bless each one that is here today, Lord, help us to grow in our faith, to not grow in disgrace, but to do what is right in your sight, Lord. So just thank you again for all your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.